0: And we give the good guys now validation. You know, like Zoom, for example, Eric Won, I got to interview yeah. him at our Reach conference. He's their brilliant Zoom founder, CEO. Yep. But Eric, he said his mantra is to deliver happiness. And that's really how he's built Zoom and is such a success. Is, you know, he really cares about each customer, but it's also what he said he loved about the G2 model. It's a way to validate that he's delivering happiness to his customers. And he's also a very forward-thinking guy. A lot of very founders good. are like, what do I do if I get a bad review? They're scared of it. But Eric's actually the opposite, he's like, I love, he reads the negative part first, yes. And he's an engineer and he's like, obviously you'd rather have everyone be happy, but he realizes his Zoom product is a work in progress, video conferencing's hard, but so he sees a problem and he engineers a solution right away. And so I think that's also the forward-thinking entrepreneurs how they're looking at it. The weekend after his IPO, he became a multi-billionaire. The weekend after it, there was someone complaining about Zoom on Twitter, and he got in a, a Twitter thread with them and he coded that weekend a solution for that customer.
1: Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale ups In this, the second of three episodes recorded with Goddard Abel, on the podcast stage in SaaS Talk in front of a live audience. He talks about the accelerated growth that can be experienced when growing your startup within a major SaaS ecosystem. And he talks about how his biggest company so far, G2, is revolutionizing how companies select and purchase software in a B2B SaaS world. Salesforce and uh, tactical plays, a good friend of mine, Fergus Gloucester, who scaled Salesforce uh, one year after it started in San Francisco from out of here, and Marketo here as well, he always says tactics beat strategy any day of the week. True. Um, and that's what I'm li- hearing when I listen to you talking about your experience with uh, with big machines. Is that something you've taken with you, with the other with your other in your other companies?
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with your strategy that you know, it's more tactics, because strategy doesn't take that much time. Yeah. And in some ways, our strategy was right. We bet on the cloud, maybe a bit too early. Right? So in that sense, we bet on the right thing. Like online CPQ was gonna work, but then we had to figure out all the tactics, right? And you spend sure. 99% of your time with the tactics. Yes. And also Mark Benioff, he talks about in his book Behind the Cloud, fascinating book, I'm sure you've read it, right? Yep. But he has about 120 plays, which are all tactics. Yes. But that's how he made Salesforce succeed, and now people say he invented it, he was the only one. That's actually not true. No. I mean, in 1999 2000, when Mark started Salesforce, there were about 20 people with the yeah. same idea as Mark. Yes. On demand, online, CRM, yeah. but he did it better. He did. Better tactics, better marketing, better selling, ultimately better product. Better products. And as well. I think a lot of those 120 plays I'd seen already, but we, we use them. Yeah, and they're little things like, how do you write an event? I remember one of the little tactics was like, hey, hold your event at a fancy hotel. This was even when Salesforce was poor still, they didn't have a ton of money. But yeah. They're like, you get brand association. Yeah, so hold good. it at the St. Regis, yeah and just buy people drinks at the bar, but now you associate with the St. Regis. yes. And so just little tactics like that, and Mark has 120 in the book. Price Salesforce has hundreds. yeah, and they all add up, right? If you execute all those tactics well every day, all of a sudden you look like a genius., yeah. and then that's people now today. like, you invented CPQ. Well, no, I didn't, right? <laughs> Same thing. They were like, you just made 30 vendors. Yeah. we just did it a little better, better through better execution day to day over many years and then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh wow, you're the leader, you're a genius. It's like, well now, just a lot of small steps, a lot of hard work over a lot of years.
1: Now you took a couple of years to think about life, I think, and then you, uh, you went and did the same thing really in the cloud. Uh, you went after the SMB space. Uh, you knew you were building something much easier to use, to scale, and over time you knew you were gonna build out also the, 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 the functions on it as well. Tell us a little bit about uh, the similar level of success you have at Steelbrick over a much shorter period of time.
0: Yeah, and that was really, it was kind of a next gen CPQ, we call it next generation. And Big Machines was bought by Oracle in 2013. Yep. And so that was really inspiration, because we thought, oh wow, the Salesforce ecosystem, they're gonna leave the ecosystem. And so there's a bit of a vacuum. And obviously there was AppDist that was doing well, but they were very enterprise, very custom CPQ solutions. Oh, yeah. And so we thought, SMB, but also mid-market. As you know, the commercial business unit at sure. Salesforce, as they call everything, probably like one to, let's say, 2,000 employee companies. Yep. We thought, wow, that's a huge that's market. And, but we had to build it easier to deploy, because the challenge with big machines was a very powerful app, but we had built our own cloud, our own Oracle database. Very configurable, but very hard to implement. Absolutely, and yeah, yeah. so that was, with Steelbrick, the idea was, let's use a native Salesforce admin platform you know, which is actually very easy to configure, Salesforce admins know how to use it, let's just bring CPQ into that. And so Steelbrick was different, it was built totally native sure. on top of Salesforce, using the Salesforce admin paradigm. And I partnered with a great CTO, Max Rudman, okay. who had actually already been building an app called Qu- Quote Quickly, and it was really just quoting. I, I wasn't remember. doing the CPQ yet, so he and I teamed up. He'd already built this Quote Quickly app, and we said, hey, let's turn this into full-fledged CPQ, let's build Steelbrick together. Yep. And then together, we were able to, in about seven quarters, right, really take you know, Steelbrick to almost the same level of success big machines had after 13 years. Absolutely, And yeah. part of it was also timing, because obviously by 2014, the other thing had changed. It was an established market. People were buying. You know, it wasn't like 2000 where no one was buying. So people were buying, they were looking for CPQ, and really all we had to say is, hey, ours is more native. And that's actually where we then, we'd also actually started G2, yes. right before I got involved with Steelbrick, and then we actually used G2 reviews to validate that. Because ah. we'd make the claim, we'd tell our customers, hey, the good thing about Steelbrick, you can go live in four weeks, eight weeks. Sure. And they're like, yeah, sure, go to our, you told <laughs> us that with big machines and it took eight months, 12 months. Yeah. App yeah. does take 12 months. I don't believe you. Yeah. You're just a salesperson making a claim. And that's when we said, well, hold on. We asked all our customers to write reviews on G2 with their LinkedIn profile. So you can see it's not so some validating. anonymous fake person, it's somebody in your LinkedIn profile. We've partnered with LinkedIn, you can filter reviews. And one of our best customers was Lars Nielsen the time VP of sales ops for Cloudera, but we had him write a review with his LinkedIn profile, lots of people in the Valley knew Lars, we pointed to Lars and lots of other people they knew, yeah. We're like, look, they've written it, Lars wrote, Cloudera went live in four weeks yes. in CPQ, and people are like, that's unheard of, but now they have 100 customers have validated that, <laughs> now I believe you, great, I'll buy. And so that was, and obviously, especially mid-market SMB, that's what they wanted, something yeah. quick, lightweight, just like Salesforce, and we created training modules so Salesforce admins could even self-administer, self-deploy CPQ, and manage it like they do the rest of their Salesforce, and that had been unheard of, and that's why I think ultimately also Mike Rosenbaum, my boss, head of CRM applications at Salesforce, now he's the CEO of Guidewire Software. Yeah. Great for him, but he saw the potential right away, because he was running Sales Cloud, and he just said, oh wow, this CPQ, I can take it to thousands of Salesforce customers, and so I think then was ultimately, he seeded the idea with Mark that maybe we should bring steel brick in house.
1: Very good, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and I guess, you know, the Marketo experience, if you guys hadn't allowed Mark to, pr- to purchase you, there was a chance you might be like Marketo where literally, hey, you know, we're gonna buy somebody else and, True. and you're out. So I suppose that was always a possibility in the sales force of that time, of that yeah. period. Yeah.
0: yeah, we were afraid of that. And also we just felt like, obviously, like I said, I've always admired Mark Loved working with Mike Rosenbaum, and sure. I think I always said, hey, if you want to be in our market, I'd much rather be a part of it, I would do it with you. Yeah. Like, Frank, I just emotionally, and my whole leadership team was the same way, we're like, we'd much rather do it with you, and obviously they offered us a very fair deal, so we're like, hey, we'd much rather do That's it with deal. you as part of your company yeah. than, you know, we certainly didn't want to ever compete with them.
1: Absolutely. Um, but y- your biggest success so far, I think you'd agree, is G2. Um, it's now... Still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress. But <laughs> I'd be surprised if it's not, if it's, uh, not uh, more valuable, but really, I think it's officially more valuable um, than either one of the other, the other two. I know you're north of half a unicorn, anyway. you were, I'm sure you're way beyond that now. Um, but um, uh, talk to me a little bit, because we've talked about it a lot, because of course uh, I was interested in building something in the domain myself, but um, we've met several times and talked about this. Um, you help people buy the right software and services for their needs, you help companies do that in the B2B SaaS space. Uh, Because when you're buying software, you're buying something invisible. And really, the only thing you can go by is uh, some sort of validated uh, opinion, some sort of validated indication that people have gotten benefits from before. That's not something you can get from a Gartner, great company as it is, um, or or any of the foresters, because they're really about magic and about gurus and and also developing relationships sometimes Mm -hmm. with the vendors you always have to develop relationships, maybe a slightly different type of relationship, chasing them around. Um, your quadrants are backed by data, not by magic. Um, is that what makes it so compelling? Because uh, I use you as a filter all the oh, time. Thank you. When I'm looking for, even for guests, actually, mm-hmm. because I see you as a proxy. If they're doing well in G2, it's a proxy for a propensity to make customers successful. Indeed. You Because know, really, apps and software are an extension of the company. True. Um, so talk to me about and it's it's proven. A lot of people were frowning at it in the early years. I believed in you Can start, oh, I don't know if you remember you. that. Yes. But uh, you know, tell us about that that success that you've had over the last few years yeah. with G2 and where you are now.
0: Yeah, in G2 at the beginning there was a lot of skepticism. In the yeah. first couple of years, and we were lucky we'd sold our first company because the first two million bucks we had to fund ourselves. Because so at the beginning VCs were like, I get the concept, but our enterprise users are going to share and how long is this going to take you? And we couldn't generate any revenue either for a couple of years, so we had no sure. metrics. Sure. So it was, we were fortunate we could, because we believed in it so much, because we just thought it was missing for our industry. And they always say, you know, for a startup, you want to kind of scratch your own itch. Yeah. And our itch, a bit of it was Gartner. It was a big scratch actually that, you know, but and a lot of it was even if the analyst is perfect, it was just that the, it's a legacy, it's, it's a publishing model. And what my biggest frustration was it was very lagging. Sure. Yeah, you know, so with big machines, first of all, it took us nine years to get in a report. And then they wrote, finally 2011 or 12, they called years. us the leader. But then even when they published, it was always, because we'd send them all our input, our surveys, it would often take them a year to publish. Yeah. So by the time they published the report, it was already a year out of date. And then they wouldn't update for another two years. right? And if you're a startup growing 50 or 100%, you're always having to defend, well, this report says you're small. Well, no, that was based on data from two years ago. Today, Absolutely. we have four times more customers, so it wasn't real time. Yeah. And obviously, and you're right, and they couldn't use the software. It's like a restaurant critic, they couldn't eat the food. They would interview the customers, but it's not the same as being a user. And so, and the consumer model by 2012 when we started G2, it was proven. We used reviews on Amazon. Absolutely. TripAdvisor yep. and Glassdoor for employees started to bring in the enterprise, and we're like, we want that transparency that Glassdoor brings. You know, the
1: filter I use when I'm looking for people to interview. Yes, I and look
0: at that. It, yeah. And actually, I had multiple people this week now in our industry, they change jobs based on Glassdoor because they want to know what's the culture really like, but yep. they also look at G2. So, they want to know are the customers really happy. And I do think before you make a career choice or you pick someone to associate your brand with, to come on your show, you want to make sure. G2, Glassdoor. Exactly. Completely Are they good people? Do they take care of their employees? Yep. Do they take care of their customers? Yep. And, and ultimately I think that's what every customer wants. If you want to associate with a company, and Mark Benioff, his number one value is trust. Yep. And I know when I was at Salesforce, he would talk about Glassdoor. When I was leaving, I think I showed him G2, so hopefully he's talking about G2 more and more. <laughs> um, but you know, but I think also that trust, that transparency. Yeah. If you want to be a trusted brand, yes. then, and I think now Glassdoor, G2s are ways to validate, can I trust your company? And even this age of GDPR, yep. you know, can I trust you with my data? Absolutely. Can I trust you? Yes. And that's, I think, the essence of G2. And enterprise software, frankly, there have been, like 20, 30 years ago, there were some sleazy tactics. Absolutely. People would sell PowerPoint, yep. and you know, sell it four years ahead of shipment. <laughs> and obviously, you're the customer, you're betting your career. It can be quite scary. And so that's why we really think now G2 we're so excited about. It. We now we have over about a million reviews, over a million people have contributed, and now so there's more and more real user opinions yeah. that can give you comfort, can give anyone buying software comfort that yes, this app will actually work.
1: And the beauty is that it really its core to your brand equity is that trust element. Uh, you know, you actually can't. Uh, you could take a few fast deals off a, a few companies, but your business. Will be gone after a year or two. So, it, it, I mean, you're honest guys anyway, but it's the actual core brand equity keeps you honest. True. Um, which is a really, really strong thing to have inside your business. Right.
0: And we give the good guys now validation. Yeah, you and know, like Zoom, for example, Eric Wan, I got to interview yeah. him at our Reach Conference. He's their brilliant Zoom founder, CEO. Yeah. But Eric, he said his mantra is to deliver happiness. And that's really how he's built Zoom and is such a success is you know, he really cares about each customer, but it's also what he said he loved about the G2 model. It's a way to validate that he's delivering happiness to his customers. And he's also a very forward thinking guy. A lot of very founders good. are like, what do I do if I get a bad review? They're scared of it. But he, Eric's actually the opposite. He's like, I love, he reads the negative part first. Yes. And he's an engineer and he's like, obviously you'd rather have everyone be happy, but he realizes his Zoom product is a work in progress, video conferencing's hard. But so he sees a problem and he engineers a solution right away. And so I think that's also the forward-thinking entrepreneurs how they're looking at it. They're like, I I want the the good reviews, but I also want the bad ones, and I want to use them to get better. And obviously what we can also do on a G2 what we encourage is, hey, respond. And if it's like legitimate, you're right, like, but I'm coding that feature this weekend. And Eric Wan's favorite for that, famous for that, the weekend after his IPO, he became a multi-billionaire. The weekend after it, there was someone complaining about Zoom on Twitter, and he got in a, a Twitter thread with them, and he coded that weekend a solution for that customer. Wow. And uh, because he's just, he's so committed to delivering That's happiness, and, uh, and I think obviously now, in G2, the beauty of G2, it just shows that, right? Obviously Eric's Eric no matter what, but it's 15,000 reviews, number one, the most momentum, and, yeah. and, and we just help those kinds of entrepreneurs get that validation so they can grow faster.
1: In the next episode, we bring up episode 100, And fittingly, it's the final part of a three-part interview with Goddard Abel, CEO and co-founder of G2. He will talk about his latest obsession, which is with 3Kit, which is revolutionizing the retail experience, helping us buy the visible, but also to visualize that on our screens. And we'll learn what the term infinite aisle means. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of Sass. Thank you to Ketsu for music provided under a Creative Commons license. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.